But nevertheless, welcome everyone. Um, God bless you. Um, I hope to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We will begin at verse 6. Um, I'll, I'll uh, give you guys a little bit to turn there. I only want to encourage you to turn there because <clears throat> to help uh, solidify your faith. Um, we have to trust in the word of God, right? We have to check everything and balance everything with with the scriptures because no no single individual has any authority that will trump scripture scripture is superior um <clears throat> i remember some uh some years back and it has become a very famous video for 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 those of you that are fans of ben shapiro and conservative uh voices um but he said this very famous phrase that has caught on ever since when speaking i if i'm not mistaken he was speaking to a transgender um and he said facts don't care about your feelings <laughs> i'll say it again facts don't care about your feelings well the word of god doesn't really care about your feelings either god cares about your distress god cares about your problems but at the end of the day it's the scriptures that reign supreme it is the scriptures that give us all wisdom that pertains to life and godliness. And it gives us directives. Um, the scriptures are not burdensome. They're not grievous, as John says in his first epistle. In fact, within the scriptures, we find freedom. <clears throat> in the um, David says in Psalm 119, um, you know, he says, I pant after your laws. For therein your servant finds great delight. And he says, um, I'm quoting it, I'm paraphrasing it. And he says, basically, it gives me much freedom. He says, therein is your servant warned. See, those who don't take heed to the scriptures will lead ultimately to bondage. How many of you can say amen? It leads to bondage. Um, and our, when our wisdom quote wisdom is superior to that of the scriptures um when we bite onto the satanic philosophy that frames this question did god really say when we bite onto that satanic philosophy then trickles down all heresy false teaching <clears throat> ideas ideologies that ultimately leads to bondage and it doesn't matter how well it's dressed within this supposed costume of godliness if it's not in accordance with the scriptures it will lead to bondage just a little leaven leavens the lump just a little bit of 
I remember I've I've shared this um, <laughs> this story before. It was about two kids who wanted to watch a rated R movie, and they had um, appeared to their dad and asked their dad, "Dad, dad, 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 can we watch a rated R movie?" He says, "No," and they said, uh, "You know, please, please, please." There's just uh, he said, "What was it? What is it rated?" He says, they are, but there's just a little bit of cussing. There's a little nudity. And uh, the dad says, well, let me think about it. <clears throat> and then the following day, this, the sons appeared to the dad and, dad, 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 did you think about it? He says, yes. He says, uh, you know, I've decided, he says, you know what? I've decided to uh, bake you guys your favorite cake, and um, and um, and so he says. I said yes. They're like yeah, 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 yeah. And um, he says, but before you before you guys go to the movies, I want you guys to eat your cake. And then they're about to dig in. He says, but I have to warn you. He says, there's just a little bit of feces in there. <laughs> Not a lot, just a little bit. There's a little bit of doo-doo in there. Um, and so I'm trying to put it mildly, right? Um, <clears throat> the idea is we don't want a little bit of contamination. All it, all it takes, my brothers and sisters, is a little bit of cancer. And if that little bit of cancer is spotted and identified in your body, it spreads. It just takes a little bit of gangrene and it spreads. It just takes a little bit of gossip and it spreads. It just takes a little bit of um, sexting. It just takes a little bit of anything. And then before you know it, you ventured in the de- to the devil's domain. <clears throat> and it says, the spirits of the departed go unto, uh, go in unto her. Neither do they return nor get, regain the paths of life. And it says, the end thereof is as bitter as wormwood. So now we're turning back to the idea of the purity of the scriptures. Whether legalism or liberalism. It all amounts to the same thing. And it is the impurity of the, it's, it's, it brings in impurity to the true doctrine of Christ. But with that said, I want to come to prayer and I want to ask that you would join with me, that the Lord would bless our meeting and the Lord would speak to you all. Father, we come before you, Lord. God, we ask right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would bless this meeting. Father, I pray that you would anoint my lips. I pray that you would anoint my voice. Father, I pray, help the raspiness of my voice, O Lord. Sustain it, O Lord. Sustain me, my God. Sustain us, O Lord. Sustain our attention, Father. 
Father, I pray that the enemy would not come in and distract and to disrupt and to negate the word that is spoken. Father, grant us, O Lord, an undivided attention at the heralding of your word. Father, I ask in your holy, matchless, and precious name that you would command attention to your presence. Father, I ask that your anointing would rest upon me. Father, I pray that you would grant instruction, admonition, exhortation, rebuke, and comfort. Lord, anything that your people need, Lord, it is that that I ask. Father, I pray that we would encounter your presence. Lord, we know that this gathering is nothing if your presence doesn't join us. So God, I ask even now that those, Lord, the, the, the people who have joined, if there's any of their family members that are eavesdropping, convict them. I pray, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, have your way in us tonight, Lord. Have your way in us this morning, Lord. Wherever we're at, Lord, have your way, Lord, in our lives, that our lives and our bodies would be a holy and living sacrifice acceptable unto you, Lord. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, contradict every satanic lie, every satanic ideology and philosophy. Lord, contradict it, refute it, bring it low and demolish it, Lord. Holy Spirit, grant us strength by your grace. Build us up by the word of your grace. Build us up, Lord. Edify us, O Lord. Conform us into the image of Christ. And Father, I pray that none of us would place our hands on the plow and look back. Lord, grant us grace to keep going. Grant us grace to keep pressing in. Grant us grace to continue to endure. Grant us grace. Father, I ask, may grace be multiplied and peace be multiplied unto us, Lord. Your delight is in us, Lord. Your word says in the Old, the Old Testament scriptures that your delight shall be in Zion. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that we are your people. We are the new Israel, Lord. We are Israel by the Spirit. And your delight is in us, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father. May your peace and your joy reside in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We need to pray. We need to pray with earnestness and fervor. Um, I like what Ravenhill said. He said, uh, God doesn't hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Um, if I can modify that, I would say God doesn't hear dinner table prayers. <laughs> he hears fervent prayer. Um, and I don't say that to be belittling, but... I, I want us to give our utmost energy as we pray. It's a sad reality when we come 
when we have arrived uh, at a day where we as the church, by and large, whenever there is prayer, men and women sound like cars that are trying to start without gasoline. They can't take off. There's no fuel. And it's because there is no reservoir. There's no well of built up spirituality that they could draw from to enable them to jumpstart themselves. That's why, that's why many churches don't even have prayer meetings because it's of no priority. Largely because there's a deficiency in many pastors lives and you can hear it by the way they preach. There's no weight. There's no depth. There's no authority. No authority. And demons don't fear them. And I could say that with not being arrogant. I could say that with boldness. Demons don't fear more than half of the preachers today because they are prayerless. And that's precisely where the devil wants to get every man and woman. Why? Because it doesn't matter if we preach morality. It doesn't matter if we preach the Bible. If we don't do it in the strength and the power of the Holy Ghost, it is nothing more than the arm of the flesh. Nothing more. Amen. All our philanthropy, our humanitarian services, Do you know in the book of Acts in the sixth chapter that they had selected reputable men full of faith and of the Holy Ghost just to wait tables? How much more in the ministry of the word of God and prayer and casting out demons and prophesying, healing the sick? If we need men full of the Holy Ghost to wait tables, how much more in in order to serve eviction notices on the devil? We need God-filled men, God-filled women. God-filled. We're enthusiasm-filled, entertainment-filled, inspiration-filled, but inspired by what? People say that was inspiring. American Idol, that was inspiring. This show was inspiring. Oh, yeah, but who's inspiring it? Devils or God? Behind every organization, behind every institution, behind every ideology, behind every feeling is an inspiration. The question is, what is inspiring that? It's like uh, my brother had received some opposition from these wicked Hebrew Israelites. They're not inspired by God. They're demons. They're sons of the devil. Hate-filled, racist, good-for-nothing mouths that need to be silenced. Whose doctrines are wicked. So... We need to cut them at the roots, to cut them off, as Paul said, emasculate themselves. That's, that's what Paul said, emasculate themselves. That's strong language. And so <clears throat> we need to be God-filled. And so let us, uh, you know, let, let me say one thing before we go on. 
you know, I, I'm sick and tired, and, and I'm sorry for my little rant. I'm sick and tired of, of so many people I've heard throughout the years that want to, that are so rigid and cookie cutter that will say, you haven't opened the Bible just yet. How is it? See, the people who know their God know when God's speaking. So such that even if the Bible has not been opened, Christ is already in our midst. Christ is in our midst. And my prayer is that your eyes would not be so blind, your ears so dull of hearing, that as Christ dwells in our midst, you would not be like the disciples who were on the Emmaus Road that could not even recognize him. Amen, somebody? We need to be in tune with God. And the reason why I say that, because, you know, a lot of people love to give flack and say this and say that and say what, you know, I've, I've heard so many criticisms over the years. And it's interesting, the people that love criticizing me most are the very people that have not done what I've done. They want to criticize you on street preaching, yet they've never preached. They want to criticize you on evangelizing, but they've never evangelized. They want to criticize you on prophecy. They've never prophesied. They want to criticize you. They want to criticize us on everything because we, we don't give them a religious foot rub and pat them on the back and give them a little burpee, you know, and, you know, they, they get offended with everything. I'm not saying, I'm not insinuating that anybody in this group is offended, but, you know, um, I just had to throw that out there just in case that you were thinking something along those lines of he hasn't opened the bible just yet um so let us open the let's let us open the bible now um first corinthians chapter 2 verse 6 we do however speak a um no 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 let's back up my my apologies Let's actually begin at verse 1 of the second chapter. First Corinthians 2, verse 1? Yeah, First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. Okay. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Let me just stop there for a minute, um, because what's going on here is Paul, to kind of give you context, um, in the first chapter, he was rebuking the Corinthian church because they were divided over ministers. They were saying, I am of Apollos, I am of Paul, I am of Cephas, I am of the first Methodist church, I am of Baptist, I am of Antibaptist, I am of, all, you know, all these different things. Now, I'm sort of verbal parentheses, um, but there's so much to unpack. Um I, I would caution us. Hold on. Can you guys hear me? Uh-huh. 
Well, it is static. Um, I will Okay. Has it been lagging the whole time? No, it just kind of recently started. Okay. Let me know if... <clears throat> um, yes. We do be cautious because sometimes... Okay, let me let me just use my phone. Forgive me. Hold on. Just give me one second. Okay. Is it better now? Yeah, it's way better now. Okay, great. <laughs> um, what I was saying is um. Okay. Cool. Um, awesome. Hold on. Okay, what I was saying is that <clears throat> we have to be careful because sometimes um, it is appropriate to say, hey, I am of this church. The reason why, because we're sound in doctrine. And we have what the scriptures declare. Rather, there are some churches where, you know, the Jehovah's Witness Church or the Mormon Church or these other churches, for example, that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in casting out demons. They don't believe in prophesying. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. And in those cases, it is appropriate to say, hey, you know what? We are of the church that believes the Bible. And its fullness. Um, but here the problem though. Isn't that. Um, they're divided over doctrine. Rather Apollos, Paul, Cephas. All these all these ministers are all teaching the same thing. Are all anointed. Are all of the Lord. And yet there's these slight preferences that they have. That are leading them to divisions. That's understandable. And so what's happening, Paul is saying, look, you guys are divided over nonsense. And you're, you're divided over reasons for which you don't need to be divided. And I want to say this. I want to caution us, brothers and sisters, because I hear it so much. They'll say, you know, these are secondary matters. You know, we ought not to be divided. Now, I understand that we're in Christ and ultimately we're united by that. However, practically speaking, there may be a need for division 
because of their views are hampering the word of God and the works of God. I remember I made a mistake years back when I was first evangelizing because I had a very inclusive heart. I wanted to just evangelize with anybody who claimed themselves to be a brother, even if they didn't believe a doctrine that condemned others to hell. And what I ended up finding was I was with an unbeliever evangelizing, get that. It was a friend that I knew from the world. He was just like, bro, I'm down to evangelize with you even. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't even know why he, I'd taken him along with me. But I was evangelizing with him, a seven-day Adventist, and another guy who had a different doctrine, and then I believed something different. And so we were in the parking lot of a Walgreens parking lot, and we ended up coming into a faction because <laughs> none of us seen eye to eye. On another occasion, I brought a cessationist years back as uh, we were out going knock, knocking door to door. And we get to the first door and he says, yeah, um, I'm not so sure if this is going to work out. I said, uh, yeah, you're right. I think we need to stop this evangelizing thing. I'm going to just go on my own. And so I learned that even though there may be brothers and sisters in the Lord, not every brother and sister is worth your time in uniting with because of their views will bring such a hampering to the word of God. That's why, you know, I, I, you know, for certain people, I know not to even invite them um, over to my house to pray because I know that I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to bind the devil I'm going to pray like Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, where it says in Hebrews chapter 5 or 7, it says he offered up strong crying with tears from him who was able to save him from death. If I don't see tears in our eyes, we're not praying rightly. That doesn't mean every time we pray, we're going to have tears in our eyes. But it is to suggest this. How can we enter to the presence of the living God and not be touched? Amen. I get that there's times where it's more peaceful and it's not so overwhelming. I understand that. However, I need the fire of God. And the fire of God is a very real, real reality that one can encounter when he consumes you. And you begin to feel so small in the eyes of the one who is all majestic. But coming back to this, I don't want to sidetrack too much. Paul is rebuking them for the carnality because there are true genuine ministers that they have a division over. They say, I'm of this person. I am of that person. This person baptized me. This person didn't baptize me. And that isn't to say that you cannot have your own personal appreciation for certain ministers that have gone exceptional lengths for you. But it is to suggest that you can't divide um, with other brothers and sisters because of that person baptized you or that person baptized you. And so they're becoming proud about this stuff. And one of the reasons I believe that they were finding a preference in one minister over the other was because Corinth, they were greatly influenced by a term that's called rhetoric. It means, you know, persuasive public speaking, a lot of Greco thought and Greek philosophy. Corinth was inundated with this sort of thinking. 
and so eloquence and that sort of stuff is very common and so you can imagine the gospel comes to a bunch of um christians that are very eloquent and they think that preaching isn't good preaching unless it's packaged in eloquence and it's 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 ridiculous it's a lot of it's like, kind of like a lot of those reform guys they say oh we need expositional preaching we need proper hermeneutics and homiletics and they right. love to use all these fancy terms as if they're accomplishing something very much you know i was it was interesting i had um i had uh you know i wanted to hear preaching and me and my wife we had gone visited this church and um just recently actually and the guy was just a brilliant speaker he he knew his stuff and he would go into the hebrew and the greek and all this other stuff and uh, he, he was is actually older than myself, and I, I was surprised because the the level of this man's knowledge. I was saying, bro, in my head, you're missing the whole crowd. <clears throat> They're not here to hear all that stuff. And what it was more was a selfish injection of the man's preferences rather than feeding the flock. And it was just a bunch of factual knowledge that that didn't instruct the people didn't feed the people and my, i'm i'm rolling my eyes and i ended up telling my wife i said let's just go <laughs> i don't want to hear this anymore <laughs> god ain't even god's not on this I, i'd rather just go home and watch like you know discovery channel or something seriously that's why we left early because the point is you're speaking over people's head and people don't want need eloquence. They need God. So we come here and, and Paul is, um, I hope, did I make sense there? I don't want you guys to give out, get, get the impression of something. Nah, that I'm not... Okay, cool. The concept, bro. Me personally, I do. <laughs> All right. Th- thank you. Um, you know, because people got real life problems, you know, people, you know, you know, raising kids, uh, battling devils, uh, they, people right. are interested in etymology and the, the Hebrew that and the, you know, that that's for scholastics, that's for scholars, people, but we're everyday people. You know, I remember one time I asked the, 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 the pastor who had discipled me and um, I asked him. I said, um, yes, exactly, sister. Know your audience. That's exactly what I told my wife. I whispered. I said, uh, oh, no. Yeah, I told her. I said, he doesn't know his audience. Um, and I, I, I asked my uh, the, the man who discipled me. I said, years back, he said, uh, I asked him, did you, uh, have you ever wanted to learn the Greek language? Because, you know, the New Testament is written in Greek. He says, yes, but... Uh, I realized that I was ministering to a bunch of uh, dope heads and, uh, <laughs> and they're not really interested in Greek. <laughs> I'm ministering to a, a bunch of meth addicts, crankheads, and I realized that they're not very interested in Greek. <laughs> they're just trying to speak English. <laughs> know your audience. <laughs> so, that's the backdrop he's correcting them on their carnality 
the, the wisdom of the world, all this nonsense. All this nonsense. So he comes and he says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. See, it's the people that need to come with eloquence that are bankrupt of God. They, 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 they always come with the fancy intellectualism. It's Christianity on Mars Hill, Acts 17. The sort of Athenian uh, mindset of, uh, we worship an unknown God. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that passage, but Paul appears to the Greeks in the Acts 17. It says, you know, uh, they have a, a, an altar, it says, to the unknown God. See, that's what intellectualism always leads to, is speculation. You don't come to a certainty of God. Because the knowledge of God is spiritual, not scholastic, not academic. That isn't to diminish academia. That isn't to say that we are to be uh, have dim lights in our head. That isn't to say that we aren't to pursue knowledge from the intellect. But it is to say that the knowledge of God transcends the intellect. It is spiritual. It's prophetic. You, some of the men and women that were most greatly used of God were not eloquent. Amen. Amen. He says, I didn't come to you with that. Um, I, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and him crucified. So that isn't to say that Paul didn't have anything else to say other than Jesus Christ crucified, because obviously he's writing them in this letter and he's mentioning much more than just that. But it is to say that this is his primary focus. Why is it his primary? He doesn't say, I, didn't de I determined to know nothing among you, save Christ and him crucified and resurrected. Why did he say crucified? Because they still had some dying to do. They still had some, some self to put to death. They haven't yet graduated the cross. You know, I, I posted something on my Facebook and I put it in the chat and um, it was Leonard Ravenhill. He says, I stopped asking people whether they're saved. He says, does Christ live in you? You know, because people have been to the altar calls like 10 times and they get saved each time, but Christ still doesn't live in them. But if Christ does live in him or live in you, what we will see shortly is that there's a possibility that though Christ resides within you, you're still an infant. You're still a baby. You're still on milk. You still haven't built your spiritual uh, reciprocals, your spiritual senses to be able to adequately and maturely walk this walk. For I resolved to know nothing among you uh, while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. Why, do you think he's afraid of the Corinthian church? No, my, 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 my guess is that he's coming in weakness and fear. Well, there, there's probably many reasons why he's weak. He's weak bodily. And this is what the Corinthian has, has accused him of. 
his uh, letters are weighty, but his bodily presence is weak. And his speech is, it's not impressive. Isn't that what a lot of people say today of us Pentecostals? Us who believe in the gifts? We don't meet their pharisaical criteria for ministry. Yep. Right? And yet, we're approved of God and disapproved by them. That's all we that's all we are to care to please ultimately is God, not men and their fickle, ridiculous standards that amount to nothing is it's done with their traditions. You know, let me say this, you know, traditions of men can be demonic. Even in the name of conservatism. This is why Paul says legalism that forbids marriage he says are doctrines of demons he doesn't say oh you know i know that you're sincere and i know that you're just trying to live an abstinent life and go above and beyond no he says it's doctrines of demons now i don't think that's the problem of us here in america i think that we disdain marriage and want to avoid it for different reasons, not for abstinence, but for indulgence and fornication and sex and all that stuff. Let me just put it this way. If you aren't married, don't act like it. Right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but I believe his trembling was, he was afraid of coming to a backslidden Corinthian church. Verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. See, that's what I want you to get. We don't come with eloquence. We don't come. Now, if you are eloquent and you, you, you know, no no fault to you cool i love eloquence i personally love eloquence i love um knowledge i love that stuff but it will never trump the spirit's power it will never trump it never and that's why those who are most intimate with the living god are the most wisest you know why? Because he in, he allows you to enter his inner chambers of secrecy, and he will disclose to you secret counsels of the Most High. I Amen. posted this on my Facebook that, contrary to popular opinion, God does in fact have his favorites. He does. Why is it that he only accepted Peter, James, and John to go with him in Gethsemane and not the others? Why is it only Peter, James, and John that seen most of uh, some of the miracles? There were some things that the other, even the other apostles did not get to see. Why? Because Jesus had his favorites. And, and, the, and the closest among the three was John, who leaned his head on the bosom of Jesus, who was so enraptured with the love of God that writing 
in his account of the gospel, he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved when referring to himself. And I say that because, uh, like A.W. Tozer said, you can have as much of God as you want. But the question is, how much of God do we really want? And how much of his inner chambers are we willing, how far into his inner chambers are we willing to venture in? How do we want to remain at the outer court, the inner court of the Holy of Holies? But there's a price as we get further into the Holy of Holies, not everybody is welcomed in. See, there was no light in the Holy of Holies. Why? Because Christ himself was that light. There, the, all of it is holy. The outer, the inner, and the, and, but the, the thing is, as you go further in, the holiest of all is where like David said, this is what I seek after most, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to uh, seek him, to inquire in his temple, and to gaze upon his beauty. Is that the pulse of your heart? Do you want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? Or do you want to gaze upon entertainment? Or do you want to gaze upon all this other nonsense, this rubbish, this trap? Man, you, I'm surprised. Today, how many even pastors, sadly, love to gaze more upon football than they do upon the beauty of the Lord? And I have nothing against football. I'm not saying sports are bad. But the point is, the sort of jokes they make, oh, we need to end service early so we can get to Super Bowl. So we can watch the game on Sunday. It's trash. Right. It's a trash mentality. Who are we to give orders to the Holy Ghost when to turn him on and off like a light switch? This is how you know, this is what separates those who are truly spiritual versus those who are carnal. But people will say, just lighten up. Just, just don't make that big of a deal of it. Why? When Jesus Christ gave his, gave his blood and gave his life for us. He doesn't want us just on Sundays or a fraction of the time. He wants us every Amen. day. He wants us as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. What does it mean to be holy? It doesn't just suggest to be upright and righteous and avoid what is immoral. But it means that your whole entire life is separated unto him. That some of the things that even good men can do, you cannot do because you are separated. Amen, somebody. This, this is the call to a holy living, a call to a holy life. Separated. Does it mean that we're going to be perfect? No. But what it means is this, that we're not common. We're uncommon. We're not like average men. We're unaverage. Why? Because we don't spend the time, our time like they do. We don't worship the things they do. We don't value the things we, they do. You know, when I came to the Lord, my, my vocabulary changed. My, my, my demeanor changed. My personality changed. My interests changed. I don't care to have a, a, 
a, a souped-up car because I'm not a, a, a boy in a man's body. I don't care to be the most fashionable because all I care about is being clothed in righteousness and not in fashion. I don't care about getting tatted up on my body to make myself look like a spectacle and then try to justify say, well, the Bible don't call it sin. No, I don't value what boys value. I value what men of God value because God values it. I'm not trying to rationalize or justify to see how much I can get away with still being a boy. You need men and adult women that are mature, that don't play games. You'd be surprised at how many pastors are sucking potato chips playing games all night. No, no relish for the things of God. Games. Sitcoms. Soap operas. It's valueless. Valueless. A waste of time. Yes, it's detrimental, detrimental to the spirituality of our church, the people of God, the youth. Let let me say, you know, let let me just correct this. I'm sorry I keep going on these things, but I have to keep correcting these things, these ways of thinking, because I don't want it to be named among us. The sad tragedy is this. I've seen it so many times in the past, youth pastors say this, oh, we know we just need to get, give them uh, food and get, and I'm not saying that there isn't ever a time to play games and stuff like that. But the point, though, is that when that becomes the focus, because they say they're just kids, do you understand that I have witnessed kids at the age of seven years old speaking in tongues and worshiping the Lord with tears streaming down their eyes before God for hours? They're not just kids. They have an eternal soul. And they need Christ like we. But the reason why our children are shallow is because our pastors are shallow. Our church is shallow. We don't teach them to pray. We don't teach them to relish the scriptures. We teach them all this other stuff. The baby girl needs to be a princess. No, she needs to be a Sarah. We have too many that are conditioned to be unspiritual. Too many. The lives of the parents contradict what they see in scripture and thereby hinder them to fully embrace the gospel and its living. That's what happens. That's what happens. No, they, they, I've seen it. I've seen revivals among kids. They have receptivity to God in the right atmosphere under the right conditions. 
with the right people mentoring them. They do. Now, I remember it was said that the church is so subnormal that when it looks at those who are normal, they think that they are abnormal. <clears throat> but Paul, he says, I come with the demonstration of the spirit and power. In other words, we're not just talk. We're not just giving you a theological lecture. We need to demonstrate. And see, a lot of cessationists at this point will want to rationalize and say, you know, this and this and that, demonstrate by character, and I don't undermine character. But that's not what Paul talked talking about here. He's talking about casting out demons. He's talking about healing the sick. He's talking about miracles. He's talking about prophesying. That's how we demonstrate the Spirit's power. To accomplish what the natural arm cannot accomplish. Amen? Why does he say this? He says, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. On God's power. See, that, that's why a, largely a lot of the talk with these atheists is it's just pointless. Because it's just a frivolous exercise of the intellect, but there's no demonstration. Amen? He says this. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So Paul is saying, look, we do have wisdom, but it's not the way that the world counts wisdom. We do have a wisdom, but we impart this unto the mature, not to babies in Christ. And the wisdom that we have is not the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world says you can be a man when you're born a female. Or you can be a female and you're, when you're born a man. The wisdom of this world says you can go ahead and live how you want and you can fornicate. The wisdom of this world says that pornography is art. The wisdom of this world says that we come from monkeys. The wisdom of this world says that this world was brought into existence by nothing. Let me get this straight. Nothing brought everything into existence. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Amen. <clears throat> or, or are you are you all some uh, undercover atheists? <laughs> are you Christian atheists? Unbelieving believers. Unbelieving believers. That's what cessationists are. They're unbelieving believers. I know I rant on them a lot because I, I hate their doctrine. I do. Because it bla they blaspheme the works of God. And this is our heritage. It's the only way that we're going to win the world is by the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Only way. 
It's the only way we will win the world for Christ. There's no other way. Do you understand that? See, we win the world for Christ by faith, not by budget. By power and not by intellect. We win it by the anointing and not by scholarship. That's how we win this world. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. See, and then it says, these things... These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. See, the problem is this. Um, hold on. Hold on, I think someone has their mic on. Uh... Okay, never mind. <clears throat> The problem is this, that they had crucified, and see right here, it's not talking about the Pharisees. It's talking about the Roman soldiers, because the Pharisees knew who they were plotting against. That's why their sin was unforgivable. They committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, because they knew who Christ was, and they deliberately, even though they, that all the signs were shown to them, they still rejected Christ and everything, and they crucified him. But he's talking about the Roman soldiers here, the rulers of this age. They didn't understand that Christ was the Lord. That's precisely why the Romans crucified them. Because they had a natural mind. They seen Jesus after the flesh. So let me ask you this. What areas of your life does Christ want to function in and you cannot even identify him what areas does god want to function and operate in? he's trying to capture your attention and yet your natural mind is not registering is there are there any areas Because the Bible says, for my, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Amen. Is, is that in the text? Is that in the word? Or am I making that up? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Let me say this. My people are also destroyed for a lack of attention. And for those of you that are browsing your, your social media, this is pre- precisely why you remain ignorant. See, what, what you fail to understand is that the Lord communicates to me. And um, 
you, you might be able to get away with stuff like that, you think. But the Lord will call you on your stuff. And I hate to be so frank, but I, I know no other way than to address stuff plainly. Let, let me say this. When, when you pray, what, what are you giving yourself attention to? How often are you distracted? How often do you just go on to these other things and, and get distracted by the things of the world? And let, let me say this. Let me throw this in there. And you don't think that it's not a spirit distracting you? A demonic spirit whispering into your ear? A single mind is fixated on, on Christ, fixated on him. Not other things. And so we need to bring our minds into alignment with him. Our thoughts in alignment with him. It says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. The things God has prepared for those who love him. See, the thing is, God has prepared some things for, for you. But it takes a spiritual mind to be able to receive them and to understand them. See, this is why a lot of believers still live in defeat. Because they still haven't come to the place that they embrace all that God has for them. And they think God is withholding. They think God is not blessing. It's because, it's not because there is a deficiency on God's part, but rather your mind is unable to receive all that the Father has for you. Because you think that God is a hard taskmaster or that God is, is somehow deficient or he is not able to deliver that which he has promised. But the Bible says in verse 10, it says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. So in other words, it takes receptivity to the spirit of God in order to be alignment with what God has for you. It takes sensitivity to his spirit. Do you know you can be a born again and you still be a very carnal and natural person? Amen. Where are we at today? Where are we at in our relationship with God? Are we born again and have an inheritance in heaven, but we haven't lived in such a manner that heaven is manifested on earth? Exactly. <clears throat> Natural. Still think like the world. Act like the world. Still value the things of the world. Still... still Still, um, 
it's difficult for people to identify you as a believer. Because you still gossip like them in the workplace. You still participate in their frivolous joking. Their inappropriate joking. You still use profanity. You still have your outbursts for, for ridiculous things. For unwarranted things. Your neighbors don't know that you're a believer. Your family don't know. We need the spirit of God to revolutionize our lives. To radically revolutionize us. Lord, I pray, help me, God. <clears throat> Father, I pray, open up the hearts of your people. Grant them grace to receive. Grant them grace to receive, Father. Grant them grace to receive. May a, whole, a holy and solemn frame of mind enter upon their, their minds, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray, invade, O oh Lord, this meeting. Lord, you're the head of the church. Speak, Lord, with power and anointing. God, I ask. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Do we get into the spirit? As we go to the secret place of the Lord, do we go, go into the spirit of God? Paul said, John says in the book of Revelation, when he was on, on the island of Patmos, he says, on the Lord's day, I was caught up in the spirit. I was caught up. But you know what that requires? It requires for us to go to the high places. Beyond civilization, beyond the natural habitat, it requires for us to be jump-started by the Spirit and to go to heights where God is located. The Bible says to come up here in the book of Revelation. So the Lord is calling us up. The Lord is calling us up with wings of eagles by the Spirit. But it takes spiritual men and spiritual women to accomplish that. The natural man cannot accomplish it. May the Holy Spirit jumpstart you. Because mark my words, brothers and sisters, if you do not get into the spirit, the devil will destroy your life. He will destroy your marriage. He will destroy your kids. He will destroy your family. He will destroy your calling. He will destroy it all. He will make you a victim of vice. He will destroy you. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to take me seriously. But mark my words, in a number of years, you will be a victim of vice and destruction. If you don't know how to live by the Spirit, He will chew you up and spit you out, and your life will become a complete spectacle. You'll become a trophy unto the devil. A trophy to the kingdom of hell. 
We need divine intelligence. We need the Lord's wisdom. We need his knowledge. We need his ability. And there's no other way to live this life save by the Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So the, fa- the thing is this. You have your spirit. I have mine. And that spirit enables you to think. Okay, because without a spirit, if this body didn't have a spirit, we would have no capacity for thought. Well, the natural man has no access to the thoughts of God, no access. So therefore cannot see how God sees or thinks how God thinks or operate or function how God functions. Because he has no access to the inner chambers of God's thoughts. How is it that we access it? We access it by the Holy Spirit. The same way that I have access to my thoughts because I am a spirit thinking, using a body, is the same way that God thinks. And he discloses his thoughts to us who walk by the Spirit. Does that make sense? Amen. Those who walk by the Spirit have access to the thoughts of God. It is no wonder if you're not walking in the spirit while you're consumed with thoughts of fornication, thoughts of revenge, thoughts of jealousy, thoughts of rage, thoughts of pornography, visions of porn, thoughts of hitting blunts, thoughts of getting drunk, thoughts of going to the strip club, thoughts of doing all this other stuff. Now, to be fair, the devil does try to invade and inject those thoughts. That is certainly the case. But I'm talking about a perpetual pattern of thinking. Where your mind is not renewed. There is a difference between invasive thoughts. Rather than the thoughts that you, out of your natural mind, are thinking. And it's something you delight in and are gratified by. But God wants us to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if I'm not mistaken, he says, let us purify ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and of spirit. Verse 12, what have we, what? we have received is not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from god so that we may understand what god has freely given to us so we haven't received the spirit of the world we're not invoking demonic spirits we're not calling down uh, incantations or all this other stuff to invoke familiar spirits we're invoking the name of the lord our god to fill us with the holy ghost But let me ask you this. Are you filled, my brothers and sisters? Are you filled? Do you stay filled? Do you stay filled? 
If so, what do you stay filled with? Some of you might say, oh, no, I'm, I'm tired. I, I, can't, I can't stay filled with God. Do you think the devil's going to go down all these aisles and say, oh, you know, you know, brother or sister, uh, brother's sleepy. You know, l- let's not bother him at the moment. It's, it's not fair game. Do you think the devil's going to have respect unto our excuses? Well, brother, he, you know, he, he's, he's been working late. And let's, let's give him a break. There are no excuses. There's no excuses. Amen. No excuses to not be holy. No excuses to not walk by the Spirit. No excuses whatsoever. I'm lonely, not an excuse. I'm tired, not an excuse. It's hard, not an excuse. God will comfort you, but he will not excuse you. And it's sad to say that some of our confessions of sin is not a true confession of repentance, but is more of an excuse me, God, I'm going to do this anyways. Rebellion, that's what it is. Witchcraft, rebellion. It's rebellion. We'll, we'll finish up. I, I can sense that some of you are not receiving well. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in the words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. See, this is why, this is why sad to say sometimes when you're corrected, if you buck up like wheat, not wheat, tares, tares remain up, wheat bows down. Do you know that? Wheat bows down, tares stay straight up. Are you functioning like a tear as I'm correcting you? As some of you are being rebuked, do you puff yourself up? Or do you bow down with humility? Because if you bow down, that shows that you're operating and functioning by the spirit. If you stay straight up, you're of the flesh. You're not spiritual. You are yet carnal. You're in the realm that the devil loves for you to reside in. How will you handle someone correcting you? Just recently, I corrected this brother. And he wanted to act like, you know, he accused me of pride 
because I firmly and directly rebuked him for his unspiritual doctrine. I didn't do it in an ugly way. I didn't do anything like that. I didn't come off as arrogant. I just said directly. I told him, you're not, you're not spiritual. You don't see as much as you think you know, uh, as you see, and you're in a position to learn something. People don't like it when you talk like that. But let me tell you, let me ask you this. If you're in a classroom and your professor is lecturing you and he's an expert in the field and he says, hey, stop, stop. You need to learn something. Does it make sense to then retort back and to gainsay and to, no. The proud person is going to stand up and say, who are you? But the man's gift and credibility speaks for himself, right? Now, I say that because this is where our Christianity is really, truly tested. It is largely tested by someone coming up to you who is obviously coming in love and truth and says, you know what, this area is deficient in your life. And do you receive it? Paul says the spiritual man receives spiritual things, but the natural mind cannot receive it. Let me, let me ask you this. Would you be offended if, if you were told, like, okay, would you be offended if your boss told you you were late? Maybe some of us won't, right? Well, let me ask you this. What if one were to ask you, why are you late for prayer? Or why are you late for these other things? Do we have more reverence for the things of the world than the things of God? I know I'm, I'm hitting you where it hurts. But this is for character. You know, I, I, you won't believe how many men that I've heard they were will, they're willing to work overtime. They get extra money so they can spend on, you know, fancy wheels and all this other stuff. But they won't come to prayer. They're walking corpses. Because they have no life of God. Do we walk with the fullness of the Lord? Do we walk with his fullness? Can you receive spiritual things? The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For we're coming to a close. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So in other words, he's saying that natural people, that the Christian is not subject to the judgment of a natural man. Because a natural man is going to judge us by worldly standards and from a worldly perspective. Amen. But that the spiritual man judges all things. So that means we are capable of judging people of the world 
And the, the text where Paul says, who am I to judge the people of the world? He was speaking in the context of excommunicating people. And so Paul was saying, I have no business judging their lives as far as excommunication is concerned. However, I am able to judge people with regards to the immoral lifestyles and say, that is wrong. You need to repent. This is idolatry. The spiritual man has the capacity to judge all things. We are to judge ourselves to see if we're in the truth. We can judge uh, uh, moral codes. We can judge people, not with a spirit of judgmentalism. But because we have the mind of Christ, we are able to adequately make these judgments. Amen. Amen. But if you're in the flesh like that other brother, I won't give any names. He's not even in this group. It's someone that I know here locally that wanted to accuse me of pride for saying something directly. That's indicative of the fact that you can be a Christian and still have a natural judgment. And a lot of times natural people will do that. They'll project onto you what is true of themselves. That's witchcraft. It's manipulation. It's to manipulate the psychology of another for your own agenda. Hoping to be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm sorry. I was operating in pride. You're completely right this entire time. I'm sorry, man. You're right. I'm wrong. That's what they want. Manipulation. Witchcraft. Jesus was accused of many things himself. But the point, the the whole point that I want to get to is this, my brothers and sisters, is are we spiritual? Are we walking by the spirit? Are we being shaped by the spirit? Are we being cultivated by the spirit? Are we being led by the spirit? Are we praying by the spirit? Are we seeing by the Spirit? Are we hearing by the Spirit? Are we relying on the worldly wisdom? Are we relying on traditions of men? Are we relying on the flesh? Are we relying on the natural mind? Or are we relying on the Holy Ghost? And let me, let me close with this. If you're wondering how might you exactly cultivate the ability by which you can walk by the Spirit, Is intimacy with God. Is intimacy with God. The Bible says that that he will show his secret counsels to those who are humble. And let let me ask you this. When, When you have opportunities that come up or you have someone that you're interested in, whether it be a man or a woman, do you pray about it? Do you seek the face of God or do you get all up in your emotions? Do you walk by the spirit or do you walk by your emotions? 
Because I will tell you this, your emotions will be the seedbed for the devil. It's the seedbed of the demonic. Jesus didn't walk by feelings. He walked by the spirit. And they are two entirely different things. You know how you know it's the spirit? is when you're anxious or maybe you're mad and the spirit says, stop. Stop it. Or you're about to let someone have it and the Holy Spirit checks your heart. It's the, it's the spiritual woman, it's the spiritual man that yields to that prompting, that yields to that wooing. Can you listen to the Spirit of God today? Can you listen to the Holy Ghost? How about this? When you want to, when you want to answer back, And the Holy Spirit says, don't say nothing. You know, that, that, that individual that accused me of pride, he made this whole lengthy Facebook thing that was indirectly a shot towards me. The Holy Spirit said, shh, don't cast your pearls of swine. Yes, Lord. I won't. Or how about this? Some of you that want to run after a Mormon and the Holy Spirit says, don't even speak with them. Stop. Do you know the Holy Ghost has the authority to veto what you think he needs you to do? From your your natural understanding of the scriptures, you say, oh, well, we got to go tell all the world, right? Oh, but there's a person walking down the street that you know is a part of a cult, and then you just want to run towards them because you want to show them all that you know. And you just want to let them have it. But if the Spirit of God checks your heart and says, stop, no. Do you have the capacity to refrain when, you, when, when your eyes are awestruck by the opposite sex and their natural beauty or their winsomeness? Do you have the capacity to put yourself into subjection and say, no, I will not pursue them? Christ, you rule my life. You call the shots, not myself. It's what you say, not what I say. Not my will, but your will be done. Or how about in your life, in relationships, in your job? Do you try to manipulate everything and finance? Or do you subject yourself to the Spirit and say, Lord, your will, not mine? Do you pray about matters or do you manipulate matters? Do you control matters or do you allow God to control as you move his hand by prayer and submission and humility? I will stop now. Hold on.